I'm so blessed that we're going to be, uh, that we've been working through this sermon series about mission and rest. And it's been challenging, you know, because they're, they feel like they're polarities. They feel like they're two totally different things. Yet God has called us as a community to both of them. You were not created to live your life alone. You were created to live with others in community. You've already been hearing it today as we have been moving through our service. Um, you've been hearing our three main values. We value God and His presence and His work more than anything else in the world. But we value our expression of community. We value being able to be together, to meet and worship, and to do things that build community, to be on mission together, like the, like the barbecue. We value growth, that God is going to grow us and do His work in us. We value these things. And so we value God. In this sermon series, we've been talking about what God is doing with us as a people together. Everything in our culture drives us to be individual, including COVID. Everything drives us to become more and more isolated and one of the things that, that I have realized, and C.S. Lewis really helped me get there, was that the work of the enemy is not just to kill, steal, and destroy, it's actually to destroy the sense of togetherness, to destroy coming together. And when in The Great Divorce, which is a great picture, it's a story, C.S. Lewis pens this idea that the that the understanding of the hell experience is this continued isolation further and further, infinitely further away from any other human. And the experience of heaven is the closeness and the trust and the bond and the closeness to God and the closeness to each other and life becomes more real is the way that he pens it. And so there's a fragmentation that happens as we step away from God, and a unity that happens as we come towards God. And this is what mission and rest both accomplish. They both drive us together in unity. And so there's, there's kind of the direction that we're going as a church, where we're calling people together. And what a time as now to start to bring healing where the world has experienced isolation to the fullest extent that we've experienced it in known human history. We are experiencing isolation like never before. Breakdown of community, breakdown of even knowing neighbors' names, breakdown of families. We are experiencing what it feels like to be completely isolated. And so now we are as a church, starting to, in a safe way, call people back together, back towards unity, back towards community, and back towards Christ. What a great time for the gospel to land. Our sermon series has taken us through John 14, 15, 16, and today it's focusing inside of John 17. All of these four passages are Jesus' preamble and, and constant talk about what he sees about 
the vision of God. Now, Jesus has authority to speak of God's vision because Jesus is God in human form, fully God, fully human. So he has the authority to speak about what God wants to see happen. And in that, in that, Jesus describes what he sees for the church. He describes what what he sees for the church, where he sees that God is doing work. So, today, John 17, 20 and 23 is our text. It says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for all those who will believe in me through their word. Okay, right there, Jesus is specifically speaking to the church. He's speaking to God, but he's speaking about the church. Specifically, for all those who will, in the future, believe in me. That is us through their word. So what is Jesus' vision? Verse 21, so that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. This is Jesus' vision. This is Jesus' vision of what the Greeks called the ecclesia, the gathering, what we call the church. This is Jesus' vision of unity, of coming together, of being a people that gather, that meet, that experience closeness. And we're going to go into that today. Jesus' vision for the church is a total consummation of God's grand vision for humanity. The vision has always been for God to be with humanity. We take great hope and strength from this. God wants to be with all of humanity. That has always been God's vision. And in the moment that Jesus is living on earth, God's vision, to a degree, is being fulfilled because here he is, God, in human form, with humanity. Emmanuel, God with us, making all things right. This is the hope. You know, Jesus stepped into a culturally messed up period of history. Honestly, they, they were corrupt in their government. 
their form of government had all kinds of bribery and, and messed up stuff happening in the army. Uh, the Roman army had tax collectors who were taking too much. There was corruption there that people couldn't fight against because they had the law behind them. There was corruption inside of the communication of the Roman Empire. There was corruption in the people's experiences. They're trying to, you know, circumvent the laws to get what they want. There's corruption inside the family. There's corruption everywhere. And so they're living in a messed up time. The people of God, the Jews, had been spread out all over the Roman Empire. They'd been spread out all over the world, in fact, in, in what the Jews referred to as the diaspora. And so they were not even in the place, and they were feeling like they were under the punishment of God. They, they knew they were under the punishment of God for abandoning the covenant. So the Jews are in a messed up place. Religious expressions are starting to divide all over the place. You have Hellenistic religions from before the Romans existed infiltrating the Roman Empire. You have the Jewish religion fractioning into different sects and different understandings with synagogues popping up everywhere, interpreting Torah for themselves. You've got a messed up period of time. A messed up time. And in that time, Emmanuel, God, lives with them. God doesn't say, clean up your ways, O Jews, before I come and live with you. God, in the midst of everything, comes and says, here I am. I'm with you. God has come alongside his creation. The divine is set... The divine separation between God and man has been reconciled in the person of Jesus, literally brought together because Jesus is human and divine. The, the human-divine separation is joined in the person of Jesus. What a profound message. What a profound gospel. So when Jesus speaks, we hear God's heart. And Jesus speaks today into a similarly messed up time. We see increasing corruption happening. We see corruption happening on all kinds of levels as people try to mitigate around laws that they don't like and they try to make stuff work for themselves. And we see, I, yesterday I was, I was driving and, and there was a man clearly trying to swindle money out of other people. We see corruption happening all around us, and sometimes we are held captive by that corruption. We see the people of God sometimes being far away, often very divided against each other. We see fighting. We see, we see individualism rising with messed up elements of me first happening all throughout our world. I don't need to go through all the bad things that are happening in the world because you already are fully aware of them. And so we're living in the same type of culture that Jesus was living in. And so we can see God's heart for this culture because it's so similar to the culture that Jesus actually walked in. So when we read these verses, we see Jesus praying about us. Here we are. I'm just going to reflect back on the verse for a second. Just the first couple pieces of it. I do not ask only for, for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. 
just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us so the world will believe that you sent me. Look at this. Jesus is Emmanuel. God is now with humility. Or God is now with humanity, sorry. And even there, the prayer expands the degree of the mission of God. I want us to go all the way back to the garden now. All the way back to the beginning where we see God creating the world. And I want to point out something that maybe you haven't noticed. See, there was a problem that happened in God's creation that wasn't evil. It was just a problem. It was technically an ontological problem, a problem of, of, of difference of being. And this is what happened. When we read the Genesis 2-3 idea, um, this, the picture of what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis 1 tells it quickly. Genesis 2 and 3 expands on it. When we see that, we actually see Jesus isolating a problem, and he, his solution foreshadows his actual bigger solution. So let's watch this. Genesis 2, 18 to 22. This is before sin and evil entered into the world. This is just an ontological problem. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good, there's a problem, that man should be alone. Here's a solution. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he'd call them. And whatever the man called every living creature uh, there was to name. The man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man and while he slept he took a rib closed up the place with flesh and the rib that the man uh the rib that the lord had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man and adam said wow rightfully so and so what we have is we have this this experience where man is alone but wait God created the garden and it was perfect and everything was good as it should be. We're all returning to the garden state. Not quite, because man was alone. There was a lack of ability, a unity to experience. There was something going on where God is saying, okay, I created, but the lesser being cannot be equal with the, with the greater being. That's why the animals were all sorted through, and sure enough, there's no helpmate that the animals, which are a lesser being than humans, were ever able to fulfill that place, and there needed to be an equal. Someone to be one with. And God created marriage. Adam and Eve coming together to be one together. The two will become one. This is huge because God's saying that we need to be brought together. It is not good for man to be alone. See, this is why God is infinite, powerful, 
mighty love, overly intense from our perspective. When we're faced with the presence of God, you know what humanity does? Cringe and back away. That's what we do all throughout Scripture. And trust me, when, when, when somebody is, is faced with the awareness of the presence of God without understanding the love and the forgiveness of God, fear is what we experience. Cringe and back away. Humanity, even in its unfallen state, is finite and weak in comparison to God, fragile and changeable. Even in unfallen state, we're still finite. We're still body. And so there is this separation. If God wants to be with humanity, one, the way that Jesus is talking about it, God needs to become human. There it is right there. God's always intended to become human. Always. That has always been God's plan. See, God intended to walk with Adam and Eve. God intended to communicate and to be with in such a very Emmanuel, God with us, present, tangible, Jesus way. Always the gospel, God with us, making everything right. It's always been the story. And so, there we have, there we have the point of the story. In Slack, which I actually forgot to mention, um, we're actually having a conversation, and if you're watching for the first time, you can actually join the conversation by uh, going to promisechurch.community to today's message and typing stuff in. Um, but in Slack, I've got a couple of people talking to... Um, talking about this service, and one of them said, hurt people can know healing and acceptance and joy and compassion as they come into relationship with us. We model imperfectly the love of God. This is so true. This is so true. And, and when we talk about, you know, this ideal of coming together, we're actually experiencing people who have been separated, who have been hurt by others, who are cautious and not willing to trust. And so we're experiencing all of that. And so when God's bringing us together, healing has to happen. And the body of Christ is on that. And we're going to get to that in just one moment. See, God wants to be with humanity and bring humanity closer together. God is on that mission to say, I am going to, to bridge the divide between us, the ontological divide, the people, the space, the, the, the physical being divide, and Jesus becomes human. And so what we have here is we have an invitation. The verse that's our text says that they may all be one. And so participation in the mission of God is actually something that requires our energy. As Christians, our mission is not just energy conservation, but it's to use the energy of God, the power of God, the strength of the Spirit of God to continue to call people to become one. Jesus said it. This is the mission to call people into unity, that they would experience oneness with God and oneness with us. See, God 
is always working harder at his mission than we are. God is investing his energy into this. God is more interested in the success of his plan of bringing people into unity and healing them from their hurts and and helping people through. God is more interested in the success than we are. Have you ever had a moment where somebody has been more interested in the success of something than you were? I had a guidance counselor when I was in high school who was more interested in my success of, of passing high school than I was. And it affected me. It gave me strength. It encouraged me and directed me. And it helped me through a hard time in my life. And this is what God is doing. He's more interested in, in, in bringing himself to people than we are bringing God to people. God is more interested in introducing who he is and bringing healing to people's lives than we are in bringing people's healing to people's lives. And God's energy that he's investing into that is infinitely greater than our energy that he's asking us to join with him. But he is asking us to join in him. Participating in God's mission takes energy. Our mission must be derived from God's mission. So what's the end goal? Let's let's nail it down right here. The purpose of Jesus' ministry is for people to become one with God. One, but not the same. The purpose of Jesus' ministry is to see all people become one with God. One with God. We say that like it's, like, it's, like it's light, like it's flippant, like, oh yeah, that just means that we have this unity. No, one with God. And Jesus gets explicit with all those pronoun flipping. I and you and you and me and them and us so that they may become one. He's using the same language that Paul uses in Ephesians 5 for marriage. Intimate. Close, one with, on the same page as. God is doing this work to bring us intimately close to him. A helpmate was not found for Adam. So a woman was created. Intimacy and closeness. But it was created so that, she was created so that Jesus... God with us is brought into intimacy with us. God and human in intimate relationship. The gospel is right here. The gospel is God's, the beat of God's heart is to be with you in person. That they may become perfectly one. It's right in our text that we could become perfectly one with each other and with God. Guys, coming out of COVID, this is so important because God is calling us together that they may be one. The gospel is that God is coming to be with us. 
The unity of creation with the Creator brought together. You have been invited into relationship with the triune God. You've been invited into that relationship. It's for you to experience. You and God. Us and God. God's end goal brings us rest. I was away this week, and I experienced... uh, the pinery, which is on the shore of Lake Huron. And in the second day at the pinery, the waters were, well, dangerous. The undertow was really strong. The wind was really high. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is crazy. And it was so much fun just holding the kids and, and being in the water and the waves beating us around. And, you know, just, it was good, but it was dangerous. But then the next day, it was like it was a different lake. And I sat in that lake in this beautiful turquoise w- fresh water and the waves just swelling and I'm sitting there and I'm experiencing the peace of God, this rest. See, when we get into the presence of God and we live as one, there's the mission which says we come into the presence, that we invite people into the presence, that we experience the presence, that we bring healing. But when we live in it, there's peace and there's rest. Jesus' prayer removed the pressure of performance. He's praying for us to join the Trinity. Not like we'll become God, but God has become like us. So we're freed from the pressure of performance. When we get to the end of what we can do, we can see that Jesus is committed to making that happen. Why? And I'll conclude with this part of the verse. So that the world may know that God has sent Jesus and loved them even the same way that God loved Jesus. You are loved. You are invited. There is nothing so wrong with you to leave you excluded. Everything that you have done, every contribution of evil, every guilt thing that you feel, every reason that you think God can't love me has been moved away because God became one with humanity. And he's inviting us into that level of intimacy, into a marriage, a healthy marriage, intimacy. He's inviting us into it. So as we move out of COVID, we need to believe this more than we actually do. We need to understand that the central point of the gospel is that God is with us and he's removing every obstacle. Every obstacle he is removing. And he's explaining it in the person of Jesus. Jesus experiences death on a cross, rises again, and in that death says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand the fullness of the mission. And Jesus rises again, shows everybody that he is God, that he is the Messiah, that he is the one. He's dealt with every problem Every reason you think God has to hate you, every reason you think God has to reject you, every reason that makes you think that you are not enough, Jesus has become human. God became human. 
to be with you. And now we know that because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Our good news to the world centers around God's work. And because of that, we experience God's rest. Because we recognize it's not our work that's going to save the world. Yeah, sure, we're going to do this barbecue thing. It's going to be awesome and bring healing into communities and start to help us come together. But we're not saving the world. We're just showing the Jesus who is saving the world. That's our mission. So let me pray. God, I'm so thankful and rested that this grand mission that you have, you've invested everything into. And I'm so thankful and, and grateful that you are doing all of this work and you're investing more energy into this than I am. And in that, you give us steps and you give us points of participation. You give us a mission and a purpose that's beyond ourselves where we are called to bring people into unity with each other and with you. And yes, there is hurt. Yes, there is pain. Yes, people will, will resist and, and feel like, oh, I can't trust this, but God, I pray that in our faithfulness that it would represent your faithfulness, that our faithfulness would be, would be generated by your faithfulness, and that we would truly find ourselves one with you. And that's why Paul in Ephesians 5 said, this is, I'm not speaking about marriage, but I'm speaking about Christ in the church, and it's a great mystery. We're humbled, Jesus, to be invited. And we thank you, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We look forward to seeing you next week. Bring a chair. We're getting people baptized. If you have not signed up for baptism and you are a follower of Jesus and have not been baptized yet, make that right now. Get baptized. Text me on Slack and say, this is what I need to do, or let me know in on promisechurch.community right now. This is your last call for us officially. Get baptized. Text it now. God bless you.